Hello and welcome to podcast number 15 of the Amateur Skeptics. With me tonight, oh, I'm your host Brian. With me tonight, Ian. Hey! And of course, Mac. I remain with us. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm a little disgusted with yet another failure of my body, but uh, well, what can you do? Well, you can turn it in for a new model. I, I told the eye doctor today that I would be more than happy to have cybernetic eyes implanted. Really? But he just seemed to find that amusing. Wow. So, so you went to the eye doctor and he told you what uh, that uh, you had to I have masturbating? A, I have a condition known as keratoconus. Or keratoconus can you get that from is, masturbating? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, good. Um, it's a deterioration of the cornea, and it's only ha- it's only affecting one eye, fortunately. So pretty much I'm going to be doing my seeing out of my right eye because it's not correct with lenses. At least not with glasses lenses. It is correctable somewhat with hard contact lenses because they strengthen the cornea. All right. Well. So yeah. that's how I'm doing. All right. How are you, Brian? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You guys have any announcements? We have announcements in, in the show notes there. I have some. Yeah, well, I'll... I'll... The reply to anonymous. Okay, well, hold on. First, first, I want to. Um, um, if anybody's interested, um, Colorado X, which is the opposition to the uh, to uh, Jeff Peckman's uh, Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission, they are. Let's see. They're. I, I guess they're ha- they're having a meeting on August twenty seventh. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If in, if anybody's interested in going to that, so want to let people know that that's going on. And so go ahead with the the next one. Like I said, um, we always like to address announcements that we are on the Amateur Skeptic website. We got a few comments left to us by Anonymous. Uh, one thing it would help if we did get your a name or a tagline or something to identify you by because we have a couple left from Anonymous and we don't know if they're the same person or different people. So it, it makes it a little confusing to address, you know, are we addressing, you know, a conversation by one person or are we addressing several different comments by multiple people? It does actually make a little bit of a difference on, you know, what is being said. But um, what were the, what was actually said in those comments? Ryan? Yep. Hold on. What was said in that? Okay. Pulling it up. But, you know, we do listen to what you say. We do take your advice to heart and we, you know, are trying to improve what we're doing. And it's actually nice to actually see our um, website getting news. Yeah, that you know, was nice. Leaving comments yeah, there. So it's great. We had a couple of comments from show number 13, so unfortunately we didn't catch them before show 14. So uh, the the first uh, – well, there's two, but the one that you're talking about, uh, a gentleman, um, he said that uh, he was happy with the uh, the sound quality and the latency are now ex- are at acceptable levels. So that's great. So, you know, we, we, uh, we took care of some of those issues. Um, and he – they asked if we would give a little more information on the articles slash videos, etc., that we're discussing. Um, they asked that we'd give the title and the author. So I think that we're gonna we'll try and give the title and the and the source is what we'll try to do. So we'll try yeah, to remember to do a little better there. The way we do it is we directly link to the articles themselves. Um, maybe he didn't understand the link system or something, but we we link directly to the article. So if you link on the article, that gives you. The source, it gives you the author, it gives you all that. Right. It's just um, the way we do it for, you know, when we're compiling the outline for the show is we just give each other links and the basic headline. And that way we, you know, know what we're talking about. Yeah. But at no point do we take credit for any of these articles ourselves. No. And everything is in the show notes. Where we're, we, I mean, we have good show notes up there that have links to everything that we're talking about. So all that stuff is in the show notes. 
I would like to give, you know, give thanks for uh, the other anonymous's comments. And I'm pretty sure the two comments that I looked at were the same person. That's what they I figured. Were, but uh, oh, no, they no. Were very, they were very happy to have read our blog, and they, they wanted us to buy shoes. Yes, yes, yes. They were very <laughs> so proud of their product. Thank you for our concern about the, Thank you for your concern about our feet. And, you know, thank you for the links to cheap Air Jordans and, and Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were. In, I, I didn't even look at the link. I just deleted it. It was spam. I took a look at the link. I said, huh. And these are old Jordan shoes, too. All right. So, so but, okay. Ian, tell us about the Halloween No, 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 no. Okay, no. Oh, uh, okay oh, go oh. ahead. No, that's fine. Okay. Well, um, I'm a big Halloween person, my favorite holiday of the year. And so now that we're doing the podcast, one of the things I definitely want to do is a Halloween special. In fact, um, we might do it every year if um, we keep finding new things to do the research on. And I have done research on a lot of the standard Halloween urban legends. You know, the candy poisoning, the origins of Halloween... Stuff like that. The razor blade and the apple. I've got some really interesting, rare, unknown ones. You know, if you if anyone ha- has a Halloween urban legend that they've heard, you know, not the mainstream. You know, I, I know the mainstream. Like I said, you know, we know the candy stuff, the razor blades and the apple stuff like that. I've you know looked into all that. I, I'm looking for you know stuff I don't know about, stuff that's like, oh wow, really? That's people believe that kind of thing. You know, I'm, that that's what I'm after. And so I would love anyone that has something like that that they think would be a fun thing for us to talk about in our Halloween special for me to do the research on to leave it either on our um on the amateur skeptics webpage email it to me email it to all of us whatever or go to our um facebook page and um leave it there but i'd love to start finding some interesting halloween stuff to really do some good research on and expect that special i'm hoping to get it all organized here by the end of september beginning of october and have it out there um at the beginning of the halloween season okay good well yeah but ian Let's face it, for you, the beginning of the Halloween season sometime in June. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> they're already, the decorations are the already Halloween up. Season, at the point where my wife allows me to start decorating the house fully. Okay, now see, I'll buy that. Yeah. Well, she let you leave the skulls out. Yeah, well, that, that's become part of our um, daily decorations now. Uh, <laughs> Every year I can get a few more little things to stay up year long. Yeah. All right. All right, so we have some so, errata. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce this, Brian. All right. Because I thought I was having sushi for dinner, and it turns out that what I'm actually eating is crow. It was my article in the first place. <laughs> and we have, uh, we have some information on the, uh, the vending machine crows that we talked about. It looks like there may be some confusion on this in the first place. Um, it turns out that his experiments were supposed to have been done in a certain zoo, and when somebody questioned him about it, he... He said, well, no, that wasn't actually what happened. He did this experiment on captive crows, and it essentially the the uh, the the veracity of it has been called into question. So, well, also, we'll keep. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, a professor tried to. They tried to recreate. It says in the article that they, they were able to recreate his um, uh, recreate what he was able to accomplish. So it, it hasn't been. It really isn't verified. He says he did it. No, no one knows exactly where. Um, and it was unable to be duplicated. So there's some definitely problems with this particular piece of research. You know, and the problem is, is that we all think, you know, well, here on the podcast, you know, we think oh, crows are pretty smart. You know, we thought, you know, this, this sounds like something that could happen. You know, why not? Why can't you teach crows this? Um, and, and maybe you can. It's just in this particular instance, it, it isn't verified. 
Yeah, confirmation bias. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and we, you know, so and the gentleman who left the blog post, who was unfortunately anonymous, um, said that you know this kind of uh, this kind of he was he was skeptical, and he did a little research. He was looking for more videos for confirmation, and he wasn't able to find them. But he did find this piece from the New York Times um, that was a correction on the uh, the crow vending machine story. All right. So moving on, Ligers okay. in uh, Taiwan, and this is uh, from the uh, Post Chronicle, right? Right. Okay. Well, this story, Matcher um, has often in the past talked about the crossbreeding of animals. Yeah, you know, similar species like grizzly bear and polar bear, they can actually breed together. Dolphin roller bears. And- roller bears. And dolphins and orcas. Dolphins and killer make- whales, yeah. They make uh, dolphins and orca make... Uh, I don't well, what they're called. <laughs> Still, they make something. So I saw this, and it, you know, I, I knew you'd be interested in him, but there's some other interesting things within it. Basically, in Taiwan, a liger was born. And, and it's um, two liger cubs. Yeah. Th- actually, there were three liger cubs. One died. Okay. Two of them survived. All right. Um, apparently, it is illegal to purposely breed tigers and lions. That is one of the more interesting things I found in that. It's actually against the law to do that. Against um, the laws bit, where? Um, in Taiwan. I, I understand. Now, actually, if you look, it's, I think it's worldwide. I thought, it, um, actually, you know, it's because been, it's been done before. Lions and tigers, are, go ahead. It's been done before. What there, there's, there's a place in the United States, I think it's what, Tiger, I, I know it's some tiger community. Well, yeah, there, there, um, looking through the Liger stuff, there, there were links to that. Um, but yeah, it's been done, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's legal because lions and tigers are both endangered species. Apparently, um, creating a species that legitimately you think, oh, well, it's even rarer, is actually illegal because somehow that it, it, I didn't completely understand the logic behind it. But it had it's to do the, with the uh, fact that lions It's the dangerous. Garland Act. If you breed lions and tigers and bears, then you muddy up the entire Wizard of Oz movie. That's called the Garland Act. Okay. But so that's the main thing I found interesting was the fact that this was illegal. Now, apparently, ligers are more dangerous than tigers and lions separately because um, they, besides the fact they're the largest uh, of the um, largest of the cats. Yeah, they're huge. They're twice as big as a lion. Yeah. They also are generally more aggressive. See, I I didn't know that. So it's actually considered um, a very dangerous cat. Um, well, they said in here that so, yeah. tigers will hunt out people, but lions will not. Yeah, and generally the ligers get the hunting out people part, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, you look at it, it, it talks about the traits and how it seems like the liger often gets a lot of the more aggressive traits of the two. Hmm. Okay, I found out what that, uh, what that orca dolphin hybrid is. It's actually a hybrid of a false killer whale, which is actually another dolphin species, and a bottlenose dolphin, and it's called a walfin. So it's not actually with orcas. It's it's with a dolphin species that's similar to an orca. Okay. Okay. But so I found, you know, like I said, the, the main thing that attracted me to this was the logic of making, you know, finding the guy and the guy possibly being in some serious legal trouble. Although it was, what, $25,000 fine? $1,500 fine. Yeah. And they, they think the organization... The uh, COA Council of Agriculture believes that that's a mere slap on the wrist, and they want to yeah. punish him much more heavily. Are you kidding? The but amount of money that they're going to make the zoo to bring people in to see these animals? I, I, it, yeah, it, it's very much a slap on the wrist. 
And his defense no. is that he didn't do it intentionally, that the right. the lion and the tiger have been living together since they were both young, and they just bred naturally. That's bogus. It, you know what? In my opinion, it, it, they had been say, they started breeding three years ago. As soon as they saw these two trying to mate, they should have separated them if they really didn't want this to happen. I, right. I think it's bogus. I don't buy it. I don't know. How do you separate a, a lion and a tiger that really want to do something they want to do? Bucket of water is not going to do it. You put them in different cages. That's <laughs> how my wife and I do it. <laughs> oh, that was my outside voice, wasn't it? <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Okay, so, you know, last week we had an interesting interesting discussion about sleep cycles and so ian it looks like you found a, an article here um, that talks a, a little bit about light sleepers yeah well from um, nine news they've determined what yeah from nine from news. nine news here in colorado um yeah they've determined that um our bodies produce a what's it called a spindle yeah a spindle that actually um helps regulate your sleep and so the light sleepers don't produce the proper amount of these spindles and that um Basically, to you know, wake up at small noises and stuff like that. Right. So what? They, so this is yeah. They, this is interesting, and I still think it. It doesn't. We still. I still do not know what the normal sleep pattern is. I still think that right. there's a there's a pattern. You know, you you kind of go to sleep. You go into REM sleep. You come out, and you have these cycles. And what I want to know is where when are these spindles created? Are they created during REM sleep? And is that what's you know in or are they created other times to sleep? I, I still don't know what a normal sleep cycle is supposed to look like. So this is all interesting, but it's hard for me to reference it um, because, because since I don't know how I'm supposed to be sleeping in the first place. Right. It'd be interesting to see all, all these different sleep um, issues brought together and put into one article. It seems like you know they, they focus on one aspect of the sleeping and a different and a different and different instead of actually looking at them all connected. Right. And that's kind of what they need is a, uh, connecting them all. You know? Well, maybe they haven't Take, connected them yet. Somebody's got to, though. Yeah. I guess my question is: Would you rather be a light light sleeper, or would you rather be a heavy sleeper? Well, if I'm getting, I don't know. You know, there's some noises you want to wake up for. Right, that's true. But are I mean the the question comes down to: Are we getting enough sleep? We we we've had I I I've recently read an article that says that we need to make sure that we're getting enough sleep. Then we had this article last week that says we need to get between seven eight hours. And 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 basically what it what has come down to is the main thing that I see is that. If you're not getting enough sleep, it can be a problem. But what is enough sleep? Where does that number start? Is it really seven hours? But what if I'm a light sleeper? I'm not getting as much sleep. Then is it right. eight hours? At what point do I start to have health problems from sleeping too much? You know, it's it's all really interesting, and there's a lot of sleep research going on. I just think right now it's a lot of random noise. You know, I, I don't have any point of reference for it. Right, and, until they really start making the connections. It, it's always interesting, always like, okay, they're going somewhere, but the big connections aren't quite there yet. That's That's how I feel about it right now. Yeah. And there's and I think there's a lot of I I'm seeing conflicting articles, you know certainly the one that said if you sleep more than eight hours it can cause what was it heart problems was it uh, what was what was there yeah. and but yet I've seen others that that say you can't make up for sleep it's important to make sure you get enough sleep every night so you know so you want to make sure that you're getting a certain amount of sleep and uh, and this article reinforced that that you know that you need to you know, instead of working you need to make sure that you that you that you get to bed and you get some sleep so it's it's all interesting 
you know, but I, I just don't, I, I would have no way of, you know, implementing any of this at this point. Right. Well, that, that's the thing. We're at a point, well, we've always been there. You know, we talk about more sleep and, you know, even some of the people that take the sleeping pills and stuff that doesn't give them the right kind of sleep. Right. Well, yeah. Because, and that, you know, yeah. so it's not necessarily healthy. I think that's dangerous but, you know, too. Yeah. I mean, certainly yeah. you're not going to wake up when you need to. I mean, I, I, I think there's some real dangers to sleep pills, even if they aren't. You know, external dangers. You know, fire. You know, would be one. Right. And so, you know, the, the sleep studies are good because hopefully they will figure out, you know, real natural, effective ways to help you get the proper amount of sleep and give you some, you know, resources to really figure out what is causing your sleep problems. So, you know, that's where it all should be going towards. You'd hope. Right. All right. You want to talk, talk about, about uh, cosmetic surgery then, Brian? Well, it's not just cosmetic surgery I want to talk about. And it was your article on Superbugs that kind of got – I've been hearing about this already, but it's medical tourism. And so the first article I have in here is about surgery abroad. And this article is really kind of boasting the benefits of surgery abroad. And it goes through and it – you know, there – basically it this article is specifically talking about cosmetic surgery and they're saying that you know a lot of people want cosmetic surgery but it's too expensive here in the United States but if you go you know if you go other places around the world it's quite a bit cheaper and the American dollar goes further and so you can afford um, a more expensive surgery that in the states you might not be able to have and also one of the one of the things that is it touts as um, as a pro here is that um, you and most of these costs, you know, all the all the stay at the hospital is included. Whereas in the United States, there's a surgery and then there's the cost care afterwards, and they're and they're putting all those together. And they go through and and they kind of really they really tout it up um, in this in this first article talking about the the benefits and then the the main con that they come up with is that uh, you're going to be alone, and if you want to bring a friend, it, you know, that's an extra cost. Well, so. actually, the the cons they've got here, the pros are pretty convincing, and the cons are actually really weak. They're really weak. Okay, I, so you know, let's like, um, uh, as with any surgery, there are risks. Okay, most doctors are only board certified in the countries they practice in, not by the AMA. Well, that makes perfect sense because they're only in the country practice in. There will be a fear of traveling to a foreign country or surgery, a place you are not familiar with. It's it's weak stuff, which means they really didn't. They didn't really take the time to research the possible cons on this. It sounds like they just kind of they no. researched the pros and they kind of came up with some cons that were things people would say. In this particular article, the cons are just there because they because they needed to have some. It really doesn't yes. address what I think the cons of uh, medical tourism are. Uh, the really the only major con in this list that should be a factor is foreign doctors are not regulated by American laws or rules, but by the rules in their country. But they don't really go into what differences in rules there are. Right. You know, in third world countries like Canada, or is that a territory? <laughs> <laughs> well, you do hear the horror stories of people that have gone, you know, down to South America to get plastic surgery done and come back and they've gotten infected and yeah bad breast you know, implants done right yeah and there's but now i see a lot of cosmetic surgeries but there's a lot of other surgeries being done abroad as well um that i think are just as serious well my my sister and my brother-in-law went down to like uh Colombia or Brazil to get their teeth done. Right. That's getting real common as well, you know, going across the border into Mexico to get your teeth done. So I'm hearing a lot of that as well. 
And you know, here's the thing is it, it may be perfectly safe. If you go to the right place, it's probably not going to be a problem. But this next article from the Canadian press, Superbug Infections Prove That Medical Tourism Can Have Consequences. And this article talks about um, there's certain infections that we're seeing around the world. And the concern is that we don't have antibiotics to combat them. And, and that people may be going to these places, getting these surgeries, and bringing these bugs back to the United States or, you know, or, or other places as well. And so there could be some serious issues with that. And, you know, the one thing is, is that I know, you know, I, I, it, I say it kind of jokingly, and, but hospitals are no, are, are no place for sick people because there's no better place to, you know, to get a bacterial infection. You know, staph is one of the main infections that people come out of hospitals and, you know, they go in there for one thing and they come out with staph. Now, I realize that these cases are rare, but the fact of the matter is is that there is risks of those kinds of infections when you go to get surgery. Now, I'm, 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 and and of course, if I ever needed surgery, you bet I'm going to be in a hospital getting it, right? But there is, and and there's probably no place cleaner, but, you know, we we see issues with staph and now we're seeing of these other superbugs that we don't have you know, antibiotics to deal with. And so it's becoming a much more serious issue. You so, back with us, Ian? Yeah. Okay. okay. But so, you know, they, they cite a couple of different things that were uh, infections that came from India, and they had to be treated with a combination of antibiotics. Right. Now, well, there's been warnings for some time about um, the overuse of antibiotics causing this. Well, okay. So, so let's go on to your article. From, um, and you got this off Comcast.net, off of their news site. Um, scientists find new superbug spreading from India. So this is one of the superbugs that you know that I'm referring to. Right. And they actually and had they, two they, in this article. What was that? They have two in this article, NDM-1, and I thought there was another one. Yeah, it seems right. But basically, you know, what they were saying is, like I said, for some time now, the doctors haven't ta- you know, known that the overuse of the antibiotics is going to cause this. That's one reason why, you know, the, the been warnings about, you know, you don't take them if you don't need them. And yet, I've noticed a pattern that they do seem to prescribe them quite often. Well, they prescribe them. You know, I'll tell you, when you go into the doctor, if they don't think you need antibiotics, they're not going to give them to you. But if you push it, Eventually, I think that a lot of a lot of doctors, you know, at some point say, whatever, just give them the antibiotics and get them out of here, mm-hmm. but even though they don't need them. And I know at Kaiser, when I would go in there, that there was, you know, on the wall, there was, you know, they, they had charts. You know, listen, if you if these are your symptoms, you do not need antibiotics. Yeah. And so but would, I also think that at, there are times where they're like, okay, let's just play it safe. They might not need them, but let's prescribe them anyways just to be safe. And I don't know, you know, necessarily how safe that ends up being because, you know, it is a overusing. I don't think it's safe at all. If, if there's no need for antibiotics, they shouldn't be prescribed. I think sometimes there's a gray line. And maybe yeah. if, if the line is gray, the doctor should err on the side of prescribing the drug. But I think a lot of times they right. know when, when they don't need to be prescribed. And uh, so, you know, you get up to that gray line. If you cross the gray line, you prescribe them. So certainly something has to be done. I'm, I'm certainly no expert. I couldn't tell you where that line is. You know, I, would, I have right. to depend on a doctor to do it because I don't know. I have to depend on my doctor. About three or four years back, there was a really prevalent uh, virus here in Denver that would, the virus w- would run its course, but it would end up in a bacterial infection. So in other words, you would essentially end up with a secondary infection after the, after the virus. And it was over and over again, and they ended up having to prescribe antibiotics to follow up the virus, but not until the actual bacteria, bacterial infection took place. 
So that would be part of that gray line you're talking about. Sure. Yeah, absolutely it would be. I, I, you know, I, I think our medical professionals, for the most part, particularly in these issues, know what they're doing. They know when to prescribe these drugs. Yep. And, uh, right. and of course, you know, I yield yep. to their expertise. And when they don't need to prescribe, they can just give you sugar pills. Uh, yeah, here's and some homeopathy. So much Go home. Yeah, no, I'm against that too. I've mentioned it before, Brian. Placebo is the best treatment for for. Uh, so, well, so I mean, so where do we come down on I medical tourism? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100 percent convinced that you know that people shouldn't be doing it. But man, I, I think that there's some serious risks that are not being talked about. I mean, they're starting to come out, you know, because I've been hearing about it, but I'm listening in places where I'm liable to hear about it. I I don't think how mainstream are, you know, are these kinds of medical tourism issues being talked about? I think medical tourism is a good thing because of its effects on free market economy. Medical tourism, the more medical tourism is done, the more the standards of medicine improve in those places where it's happening. And Are you sure? I, I would, would argue so. that people yeah. go there because it's cheap already, and if the qual and if the quality goes up, maybe the price will too. Well, and the second part of that I was going to say though is if they're going there because it's cheap, the theory of free market economy should, correspondingly, if it becomes prevalent enough, make medicine less expensive here. You would hope. One would hope. Yeah, I'm not sure that I I really first I, I see that. I, maybe I, I'm not sure how that would work. So, would you suggest for you know, for would you suggest overseas care or would you suggest in state care for, say, for instance, a pea sprouting in a man's lung? Well, considering that, that um, according to the article, that really shouldn't happen all that often. Yeah, this was an this was an odd one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, you always joke about how if you swallow the um, watermelon seeds, you'll grow watermelon, stuff like that, you know, the kids. But apparently um, it is possible to accidentally swallow a pea, and if it gets lodged in your lungs, it could actually take root. Okay, but in this specific case, this was an an, uh, an older gentleman who already had health health problems and concerns. And so he went into the office. They found this mass. They couldn't identify it in the x-ray, so they went in there, and they were pretty sure that by the time they were done, they had a pea. But what's, but when you get to the end of the article, there, there's people that are skeptical that this could actually happen because it's like how did how did they inhale it and not realize that they did? I think is a, I think that there's some legitimate questions that need to be asked here about this particular case. Uh, apparently, this is not an isolated case. It's not. A Russian surgeon found a tiny fir tree in somebody's lung. Yeah, a fir tree. I, I don't know. I'm. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's happening. But the fir know. tree itself was not the problem. Decorating it for Christmas was a bear. How do you get the lights on a tree that small? Well, and of course, how long an extension cord does the guy need to be able to, to function? So we have two, I know, I, and it looks, I don't know, it looks like more of an anecdote, but I don't know. There's just something about this that does it does not sit right with me. I need more evidence than well, that. Well, this is, this is in, this is said, this says it's in Boston. So yeah. it's not like it's. Well, you got to figure it. The if somebody if this is the case, somebody wrote it up. You would think that somebody would write this up. So maybe it'll be in a medical journal somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, yeah quite likely something of that magnitude. I don't know. But the, it's the, just the story is interesting. But I, I I'm not taking. I, it. I think it's possible. You know, you do breathe in stuff at times. Um, you know, you eat something, kind of choke on it. Funny, you think it went down the right pipe, and it turned out to go down the wrong one. 
I, I could see it happening. I, I could see it happening, but man, it seems like you would know. I just inhaled the pee. Something that large going into your lungs? Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd think you'd think though you'd cough it back up, and so when you're done coughing, you think it's probably out. Right, and maybe because but, it's, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was an elderly gentleman, and he didn't, and his lungs couldn't get it out. I, I don't know. Well, and it said that he had had emphysema for years, and this was just a increase in his problems yeah, yeah. So, so maybe he may not have been able to cough it out and in the case of something that's inhaled into the lung there are cilia along the trachea that are supposed to catch foreign objects and just just basically work them back up so they can be coughed out and it may just simply be that this bypassed the cilia it went in too deep right off the bat yeah. And Brian, you have women who don't even realize they're pregnant until the nine months along. People don't often pay attention to the body like they should. I'm sorry. I don't get pregnant by inhaling stuff, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Brian doesn't have that many women that, with that problem. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Wife, I don't have, have that problem. Yeah, and keep your mouth shut, would you? This is a public show. <laughs> She's going to listen to this. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> All right. So. Let's talk about when salmonella changes your life. Yeah, this was interesting. This was a case of salmonella. And what was interesting about this is that this is oh. your typical salmonella. Uh, I found this on CNN.com. And th there was nothing special about the type of salmonella except for the, what was different about this particular case is that it got into her blood. So I guess it became a blood infection. Sounds like. And she got sepsis. and She became septic. And uh, they ended up having to remove a good portion of her intestine. Um, they said that the main people that are at risk for this, of course, are the elderly and children. But she was neither, um, so it can happen to anybody. Uh, I'm wondering if her resistance was low for some reason. Well, I but don't know. But this particular strain of salmonella is is common to the type of salmonella that's been found on lettuce that's had to be recalled. Right. Well, that's where she got it was lettuce. Mm -hmm. So... You know, so I guess one might think that it was actually perhaps a hardier variety of salmonella or a mutated variety of salmonella because salmonella usually it's not lettuce is not its best thing to grow on. I, I don't know. Somehow it got into her bloodstream. It was well, they, they mentioned they did have to remove part of her intestine. Too. Right, because she became septic. And well, they, they said that's even what the happened. simplest diseases can have some pretty nasty side right. effects. I, you know, I for think a I think small portion of the population. Yeah, in this particular case, it seems like she just I, I, something happened. It got into her blood. It, it doesn't seem like right. it was a, um, an odd strain of salmonella. It seems like it was a very typical s mm -hmm. strain, and it just got into her blood. She became septic. It's just how her body reacted. Yeah, to it. just well, and in just this one particular time, you know, she probably it, it, she probably would never have reacted this way again to salmonella. Yeah. Well, you hear stories. Um, I worked with a guy at Walmart who um, had chicken pox when he was a kid, and it killed all his teeth. And I was a bit surprised, you know, so I'd never heard of that happening. Before. That's pretty extreme, so, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so, you, you know, you, and chicken pox is something that, well, you know, now we hardly ever get it, but even you got it and you healed, it's normally something, you know, you weren't left with anything permanent. But every, the rare cases, it did happen. It did leave a permanent side effect. Right, so, but so, one of the things that this article led me to was um, the, the salmonella egg recall. Have you guys, have you guys heard about this? Yes, so salmonella yeah. is, and they said it was egg shell. It was on the egg shell. Is that right? Salmonella is usually on the egg shell if it's on the egg at all. Right. And, you know, simply put, you should always wash eggs if you're, you know, when you're using them, you should always wash them anyway because of the possibility of salmonella on the shell. Why? 
because it's better than not washing them. Well, but but here's the, here's my thing is that this comes down to proper food um, safety handling. It, you 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 crack the eggs, you wash your hands, you throw the shells away, you get them out of the way. If the shells touch anything, you have to clean them off. If if people are really getting salmonella from the egg shells, they are not handling the food properly to begin with. Now, if they're actually getting it from the actual raw eggs, if they're eating raw eggs, see, my question is like, I like runny yolks. Am I liable to get salmonella from that? You shouldn't. I I think it is always on the eggshell. So that's what I always heard. At right. Least. So I I think washing the eggs is a waste of time. Besides the fact that without using soap and water, you're not going to get it off anyway. This comes down to proper handling. So you handle the eggs. You wash your hands afterwards. I always do after I handle eggs. So part of this is because people are not educated properly on food handling safety. Mm. Well, what was it? it? was a thing on HBO years ago that was um, talking about food preparation. And they did this thing saying, okay, th- th- this, group, this family that's about to sit down to have dinner... Um, they're all going to suffer from food poisoning. Where did the food poisoning come from? It goes from you know everything they did. It's like no, it's not in the turkey. It, um, because they cooked it properly. It's not in the stuffing in the turkey because that got cooked properly. It's not in the veg. It's not in the cooked vegetables because those got cooked properly. The food poisoning ended up being in the salad because they used the same knife from the that they used to um cut up the turkey on the salad without cleaning it in between. Who so does that? What, I, I could see it happening, though. Yeah, People no. don't often think about stuff like that. And yeah. so, you know, th- they're spreading it because they're not taking certain steps in between. I agree. Never happened in my house. I promise you that. It would never happen in my house. Well, don't say never. That's because of my wife. Well, <laughs> but here, but here's my point. is like they used to tell you, like, like chicken is like the nastiest thing on earth, right? Yep. And and 99% of all chickens have salmonella. And so you got to right. figure that by the time you pick, you pick up a chicken breast, even if your chicken didn't have salmonella, it's touched one that does. So your chicken has salmonella. Should you wash it first? You should definitely cook it to the, to the requisite temperature. Exactly. I don't think you should wash it first. I think you should handle it as little as possible. And you and you... And you get it I, into the pan and you cook it properly. And anything that, that touches the chicken, anything, you know, your hands, utensils, anything, have to be washed properly before you use them again. They have to be sanitized. So that once again, it comes back to proper handling of food. And you're, you're sitting there talking about what, the members of this family will all get food poisoning and what caused it. And all I could think of was that scene in Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. And I've got this voice in my mind going, it was the salmon moose. <laughs> Man, no, the, uh, I don't know. There's just yeah, and, they, and they point out both the knife and the cutting board were um, connected to being the culprit. Sure, and and, and, and I can see that happening. Now, this is why you know I have I have bleach around, you know, and bleach does pretty good job with salmonella. You have bleach around because your wife enjoys that anime. Come on. I don't know. I just assume when it comes from a chicken, it has salmonella, whether it's the egg or the chicken. Yeah, it's it's always a good. And the the thing about washing the eggs was actually in reference to using raw eggs. This is what I was taught in reference to using raw eggs, for instance, in using uh, eggs in eggnog or something along those lines. Yeah. Washing the shell can protect protect from salmonella in that case. Well, you know, I, I have a remedy for, for eggnog, too. They, they call it rum. Uh, that'll take so care of it, right? the salmonella doesn't necessarily die, but it really, it, you know, it either wanders around your system not knowing where it's going to go, <laughs> or it just has a really bad headache. Exactly. Depending upon what stage it's in. Either way, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. 
I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure that there, you'd have to put a lot of rum in there to kill off the salmonella. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, I, this picture's salmonella in your intestines going, will you please stop making so much noise up there? Please. For, <laughs> for the love of God, please stop making that. It does make me concerned, though, drinking, you know, because if you figure when you're cracking eggs, there's a potential for the egg to touch the shell, which contains the salmonella. I'm not sure that I want to make eggnog at home now. I don't think this is a good idea. Maybe maybe if I'm making eggnog, I, if I'm not going to cook the eggs, maybe I should be washing the shells and sanitizing the outside of them before use. Maybe in that case, I agree with you. Yep. By the way, my wife has discovered something interesting and new as far as she doesn't boil eggs anymore. She steams them. Okay, sure. They get a different texture. So yeah, they kind of interesting. My grandmother used to do that. She's, she would always steam the egg. So she didn't have to flip them mostly because she always broke the yolk. Yep. All right, so... Ten. Aside from steaming eggs, what other vices have we got there? Well, CNN was a wealth of information this week. And actually, they got this one from health.com. Um, and so, yeah, seven vices that are good for you. And, you know, I didn't quite agree with all of these. I thought that, you know, maybe within a certain degree that they might be true. But I think that this article really, I don't know, it, it, was, it was a fluff article and it was fun. And it, it included sex, so it's in the show. It met, it met all the criteria, and which was only sex. That's all, the only criteria it had to meet. <laughs> so the first one is, of course, getting your Z's. And it talks about XRSA, that, you know, getting plenty of sleep, you know, helps reduce stress and yada, yada, yada. So a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, playing hooky. Now, this was interesting. You know, taking vacation, they said it was it was important. You know, give you give you a chance to relax, and even if it was just for 24 hours. So, so and that plenty. I can understand. Yeah, you, then, you do feel better if you get an extra day off. It does actually make a huge difference in your stress level. Often, I've felt that myself. Right. So, and then they said sexual healing. I'm not making I it up. I remember that. That's song. how they phrased it. Exactly. Yeah. You <laughs> exactly. Getting frisky is hands down the most popular form of physical activity there is. Well, the most pleasurable form of physical activity there is. That's not what the article says. I'm reading says, from the I'm article. I'm looking at it right now, Brian. It says pleasurable. Oh, it does. Most pleasurable. Well, whatever. Yeah, most popular. Most popular. Most pleasurable. You're right. Okay. But All right. Having sex releases feel-good um, endorphins and antioxidants. The hormones that are promoted. What? Attachment? Is that right? Pro the Oxytocin, that, the hormone that promotes attachment. Oh, yeah, we've and been hearing a lot about that. And apparently what is released when we, when we take revenge on somebody else, according to prior stuff with that. So are we saying that killing people is, is another, you know? Yeah, it's not on the list. Okay, all right. Uh, when we did the article on schadenfreude, they were talking about levels of oxytocin, though. Yeah, but they uh, did talk about back rubs being a good thing for your health. We've also heard about articles about people you know, using inhaled oxytocin, you know, and for, for coupling. So, yeah, okay. All right, moving on. All right, so pleasure number four. Daily chocolate The daily chocolate fix. fix. And they said that it's important to, you know, you, you keep this down, and it's like two squares of dark chocolate. My question is, how, how big are the squares? What if I have a solid bar of chocolate? Can I consider that a square? Uh, it depends on the shape. Okay. My problem is I don't like dark, dark chocolate. Yeah, it's okay. Dark chocolate's okay. Dark chocolate kills cancer, Ian. <laughs> I know, but I'm a milk chocolate fan. <laughs> oh. So I'm waiting for them to find out that milk chocolate can extend your life an extra. Nah, that just makes you fat. 
I, I'm not saying don't eat Milk it. Milk chocolate doesn't extend your life, but it does make it worth living. <laughs> there you go. All right. And let's see. Girls' Night Out. Now, personally, Girls' Night Out has never really done anything with me because I just end up stuck with the kids. <laughs> Same here. So, I mean, so uh, can, can we interpret from this that maybe Boys' Night Out is good? As well, I think Boys Night Out is good. Okay. I think that yeah. I think the Scott Sigler trip did us worlds of good, and you guys even more than me because you stayed out and 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 imbibed much of alcohol. Yes, we did. Yeah, but we had a couple home, girls along in that one. Yeah, that's and, true. And came home melancholy. Well, at least tipsy. Okay, and this one I loved full fat dressing. Huh? Eh? Huh? Eh? Yeah, See, I'm fully in agreement with that. So what? It's like low-fat mayonnaise. There's not that much difference between low-fat and full-fat mayonnaise when it all comes down to it. Well, their point was that you should be getting most of your fat from um, non-saturated fats. So you know, if you're getting ninety percent of your fats from non-saturated fats, it's okay to have the full-fat dressing. So go ahead and do it. Uh, my guess is this one especially bothered me because it's like, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe they're right. I can get away with the full fat dressing. It hasn't harmed my figure at all. Yeah. Do you have a figure? Yeah, I can still get into my prom dress. Nothing harms your figure. (laughs) You smug bastard. (laughs) That's going to become a theme. Every show, I'm going to find a reason to call you, you smug bastard. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, pleasure number seven, your morning Java. Oh. I think that depends on which update of Java it is, doesn't it? No, 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 no. We're talking oh, coffee we're talking here. About coffee, yes. The, okay. And this is important. Coffee. I, I you got to have your coffee in the morning, and and this proves it. It not only makes you more alert, it makes you smarter for a very short amount of time, but it just means you got to drink more. See, I don't know about this about the about the type two diabetes. The chance of de- developing type two diabetes shrinks by seven percent. My dad drinks at least two cups of coffee every morning and still develops type two diabetes. Well, that's an anecdote. And besides, didn't your wife start drinking coffee because the research said that it was good for diabetics? Caught on that one. Yes, Aha, that is true. nailed you. All right, all right. And getting a rub down. So go ahead and get that massage. It may be an indulgence. And I, it doesn't say anything about the happy ending massage, but I assume that, you know, this has been included sex already, that you can get that happy ending massage and not feel guilty. But only in certain parts of the city. That's right, that's right. And only if she's not a, if she's not an undercover cop. Yeah, no, that would be bad. That'd be um, detrimental to your health, I would think. Yeah, getting Unless arrested. Unless you're into that. Okay, okay. So we're, we're ruling out the happy ending massage because we don't want to get arrested, and that's bad for your health. It's like, oh, I got the happy ending, and I get handcuffed? Man, this is the best massage <laughs> parlor in the city. Woohoo! <laughs> Come on into my cell, Let's little man. Number nine. All right, basking in the sun. And so we know that getting, pl- getting plenty of sun... You know, I, we've gotten to the point now where we're so scared of the sun. You know, everybody's, you know, wearing sunscreen. We, we, we need the vitamin D. So you've got to get some sun. So go ahead, go out, have a half hour to an hour in the sun. It's okay. Yep. And it helps you sleep better, I think. I think that we, I, I, I think that there's an, that I read an article that said getting more sun helps you sleep. My wife keeps telling me that too. So we need to look for that article and see if that's actually true. And pleasure number 10, wine with dinner. Yes. Mm. 
I, I usually I'm find that myself whining for dinner. Well, well, I don't know that that counts, but I, I am having a uh, a nice ninety shilling. Uh, it's not wine; it's beer, but I'm but I'm having it anyway. So five ounces of wine can help with blood well, pressure. Well, it says you're you can get similar perks from one liquor, drink, or beer a day. So go ahead, raise a glass to the pleasures of the healthy diet. Ah. Now this article is all focused toward women. It is, yes. So we need a similar article that talks about, you know, what, what the 10 best vices for men are. Other than, other than the girls' night out, do you think the whole thing was really focused that way? Well, the bottom line, the bottom couple of paragraphs are women who drink heavily also have higher rates of breast cancer. <laughs> More of a martini kind of gal, no problem. You can get similar perks for one liquor drink or beer a day. So the, the article is addressed to women. You know, I, I look at the Surgeon General warning on the side. You know, I look for the one that says, may cause birth defects. And I go, that's my brand. <laughs> so you're trying to give yourself some birth defects? No, no, no. No, I can't get any more birth defects. I'm already born. So if I'm drinking something that causes birth defects, I'm okay. What about the wine that says, may cause higher birth rate on the side? I don't drink that wine. Well, that's how you end up with three kids. <laughs> I don't drink wine that says may cause cancer. I don't drink wine that may say. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, okay. since, since we're having some fun, let's talk about zombies. And do you let's have a zombie plan? Zombies. Do we have a zombie plan? Well, this is actually the seven scientific reasons why a zombie outbreak failed. All right. So it starts, it starts off. Let's pretend for a moment the zombies are real. And, you know, as if we don't halfway think it anyway. Have you noticed how most zombie movies take place only after the apocalypse is in full swing? By the time we join our survivors, the military and government are already wiped out and none of the streets are safe. Well, but Resident Evil doesn't start that way. Point. Well, they said most of them. Though. Okay, okay, most. All right. Um, there's a reason why the movie starts here and not earlier. Because the early part, where we go from one zombie to millions, doesn't make any sense. If you let the creeping buzzkill of logic into the zombie party, you realize the zombies would all be re-dead long before you got a chance to fire up that chainsaw motorcycle you're working on. Why? Reason number seven, they have too many natural predators. What it boils down to is they have no survival instinct and they're made out of meat. Okay. <laughs> uh, the reason that mankind survives is that we are too smart and too well-armed for any wild animal to hunt successfully, except in certain circumstances. Isolated people, but in our cities, we're pretty much safe. So the zombie lacks every single advantage that has kept humanity from being eaten to, to extinction. It wanders in the open. It doesn't use weapons. It doesn't use strategy. Okay. And if you be, if you blow away the if you forget about the bigger predators and you've got the small predators like the flies. So reason number six, they can't take the heat. No, that's reason. Wait, hold on. We're getting our reasons. Oh, no, reason number reason six number is seven. also they can't take the cold. Wait. No, re yeah. they can't take the heat first. Right. Uh, because they're the heat is going to cause their cause their uh, intestinal flora to cause them to decay very very rapidly it just means they'll have uh, gas they'll they will, <laughs> they will bloat and they will explode hmm. okay all right and but then it says or reason number six if they don't if they don't explode they'll mummify hmm. and that's a whole different movie there but it had brendan fraser yes it did the mummy okay number six is they Wait. can't handle yeah they, they use number six twice you're right okay all right number See? six is they can't handle the cold so it basically boils down to temperature temperature anyway um but Extreme cold is going to cause zombies to suffer tissue damage from freezing and become rigid. 
Okay. Number five, biting is a terrible way to spread a disease. Okay, so what are the reasons for that? Uh, remember that time when that dog got rabies and then a day later every other single dog on the continent had it except for a small band of survivors huddled in a basement? No, I don't. The reason why is because that never happened. Okay. The zombie movies agree on one thing. They reproduce like a disease. It spreads via bite. But this also means that their spread should be subject to the same rules as a normal epidemic, and biting is a terrible way to get an epidemic going. Okay. All right. So... So it needs a better mode of transmission, is what you're saying. Pretty much. So when I create my zombies, I need to think about this. Let's see. Well, that only goes down to back number to my five. zombie story I've been working on, I'll remember this stuff. Okay. So we go on to number four. They can't heal from day-to-day -day damage. Okay. One, of, one advantage to having a fully functional central nervous system is that it also does a pretty good job of letting you know you've been damaged. And it lets you know that by way of pain. Zombies don't feel pain. They never heal. They just get nastier and nastier as they go along. Number two, the landscape. The landscape is full of zombie-proof barriers. Yeah, that, <laughs> I definitely agree with that one. Um, this is a group that doesn't know how to find roads or bridges. They just go wandering off aimlessly. Mountains, major rivers, and canyons would thus quickly come to, come to be homes to piles of broken zombie rangs. Bo broken zombie just go downtown, get to one of the um, skyscrapers, go to about the 50th floor, and you should be safe for quite a while. And, of course, the number one reason is weapons and the people who use them. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The Second Amendment to the Constitution says that zombies have a real problem. <laughs> The NRA will save us. Well, that was fun, well, and it proves that we're not just skeptics. We are geeks. Yes. And there's also a couple of links to other articles on here. Five popular zombie survival tactics that will get you killed, and five reasons why you secretly want a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Have you guys seen Zombieland? Oh, yeah. Great film. You know, Woody Harrelson has that one line where he finds the Hummer full of all sorts of guns. I have rednecks. No. I yep. have not. That's funny. All right. So you guys want to know why uh, we shouldn't be looking for aliens, but we should be looking for artificial intelligence? Let's. Yes, on to something just as geeky, but actually <laughs> a little more serious. A little bit more serious. But, you know, my thing is that this kind of follows the trend of we, we've got a bunch of people, you know, recently, like Stephen Hawking's come out and say, and they made a movie around this crappy thing that he wrote, saying that if the aliens come to this planet, they're going to kill us. They're going to strip us for our resources, and they're going to leave. It's like, okay, Mr. Yeah, we, Hawking. We that a couple, what, like two months yeah. ago? That was Independence Day, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. So this is kind of along the same lines, but, but actually a little bit better, because this says that basically the way, you know, it, they're using us as a model, which is skewed already. And saying that right. it, it, the moment that somebody becomes able of doing transmissions, you know, through radio, that they're going to very quickly move on to artificial intelligence. And okay, I, and they're using they use us as a model for that. But the problem is, is that this is statistically bad because you only have one model to work from. We don't have yeah, another well, civilization to measure this from. Right. It falls under the exact same flaw as the biological one. They were talking about how looking for them biologically probably won't work because the chances of them, despite all our science fiction that's out there, the chances of any alien life being anything like us is just not going to happen. Well, we're looking at our technology progressing, and what are the chances that their technology is going to progress in the same manner ours has? 
What are the chances that when they that their radios are going to work in the same manner ours do? What are the chances their artificial intelligence will be something that recognizes us as anything? Well, and who says that they have the same resources on their planet to develop the same way that we did? What what if they're right. lacking something that we had that got us to the point where we where we've gotten to? What if what if they don't have you know I and basically yeah, they took I don't know a different path? Yeah, that you know has some some gap that doesn't relate to you know the way we went. So, yeah, no, anything that alien from a whole different planet, you know, communication is going to be one interesting thing. Right. You know, I'd it's love not going to be like Star Trek where, hey, look, we have the universal translator. All we need to do is talk in this. And <laughs> this other society is going to be something so generic that we can completely relate to. Hey. Although we'll pretend we can't. There is a belief that mathematics is a universal language, but we use base 10 because that's how many fingers we have. What right. if you have aliens that develop their mathematics and they have six fingers um, i think that, that was can, actually yeah. done in the sarah jane adventures they were busy trying to crack a code on an alien computer and it's like no this shouldn't be that hard and then the guy looked and said oh yeah um we're base 10 they should probably be base six and suddenly put that in there it made a lot more sense to him yeah see geeks yeah i don't know there, there's a conversion for that at least with math you know well, my, yeah, yeah. there is a conversion but are we going to look for that conversion first off well i i or hope we so. expect mathematics to be in base 10 but that's well, because we have ten fingers. But we can That's come up with point. The, we can come up with a legend that that would basically tell somebody how to use our mathematics, and so could another race. So that one I don't have so much of a problem with. But my thing about the universal translator is, is you know, it had to learn when they met new races too. Yep. But yet but there were things the... when there were situations when the universal translator on Star Trek wouldn't translate because it didn't have anything to base itself on. Besides, what would you suggest, Ian? A babble fish? Are you going to put a fish in your ear? You think that's a good idea? I no, I'm idea. just going to hang out with the doctor. Besides <laughs> which, the babble fish is the ultimate proof of the non-existence of God. <laughs> that's right. forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're really geeking out on this. Oh yeah, we are. Without faith, God is nothing, and faith denies proof. So therefore, the God, the babblefish, is proof of God. Therefore, he doesn't exist. So let's see. We've made references to Star Trek, Doctor Who, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Who have we left out? Uh, Well, we got Monty Python in there. Well, we and and we and we got Bill Hicks. We've got Bill Hicks. That was last week. No, I got Bill Hicks this night tonight too. Okay. When I was talking about what what did I say? Um, I forget. It was I. I made a Bill Hicks reference. All right. (laughs) And we mentioned Independence Day too. All right. Let's move on to what the fuck were they thinking? What's going on in San Francisco, Ian? Well, this is one of those things that is. to the extreme left, you know, we're generally fairly liberal, but this is the extreme liberal yeah. side that is really not healthy. This and, is cuckoo you know, left. Yeah, this is nuts. Um, this guy's introducing legislation that says that if kids' toys do not meet certain health standards, they should not be allowed to include toys in them. Wait, are we eating the toy? And it, no. it is not the toy <laughs> often the most nutritious meal. thing in the meal. <laughs> oh, that's total. That is, it's like the, the box uh, is more nutritious than what's in it. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mythbusters handled that. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, in, in general, as a parent, um, I'm aware of how unhealthy the kids' meals are. Um, but I just, you know, it's my choice. It shouldn't be up to, you know, anyone to tell me, oh, well, you know, you're, if you buy these kids meals, they're going to lack toys if they're not healthy enough for your kids. Like I can decide what's healthy enough for kids. You know, yeah. it's, it's one thing, you know, to be trying to 
say, okay, kids can't smoke, kids can't drink, kids can't do these one things. But to be telling, oh, yeah, by the way, parents, we're going to start telling you um, that you need to start making things healthier for your kids. That, that, that's crossing some lines. Okay, this, and, this article made some other assumptions that I didn't like. And it, 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 it does things that I think is everybody always tries to do is they want to take our, our overall weight problem and nail it down to one thing. And this article says yeah. that this one thing is we're starting is, is, you know, is once again, fast food. This is our only problem. If we could get away, if we could do away with fast food, everybody would be thin again. They wouldn't. Yeah, you know, They'd find Brian, something else unhealthy to eat. You obviously never had any fast food when you were a kid, and you don't eat fast food now either, right? And that's why you Absolutely can say so thin. not. That's that's why I stay so thin. It's not genetics. It's not the fact that I only eat till I'm full. It has nothing to do with that. I've never eaten fast food. Well, except for today, earlier today, I, I, I might have I might have splurged. But this one time, that's I it. find it but amusing that there's today. a... I find it amusing. There's a related article linked here that says that protesters want the Ronald McDonald mascot retired because apparently he's behind all the kids getting hooked on fast food. Is that okay? So that's the evil. If we get away, if we do away with Ronald McDonald, McDonald everybody will be thin again. It's not like they're like maybe maybe we have an overall problem. You know, maybe maybe, it's not like this is much more complicated than just fast food. No, no, no. no. Let's do this one thing, and we're going to solve all these problems. It's not an awareness issue. It's not an education issue yeah. it's it's this one thing no and the, the, the simple fact is if you take the toy out of the kids meal the kids will never want them again you know what i'm what's, okay with this because <laughs> half the time the, the, they're a choking hazard i can't tell you how many times i've choked on a mcdonald's toy <laughs> my kids never have it, it's just me i'm the only one trying to eat them <laughs> But no, you take the toy out, the, the, the kids won't want those kids' meals anymore. The parents won't buy them because there's no toy included, even though half the time at McDonald's toys are junk that we donate straight out to thrift stores without you know ever opening. <laughs> but you know it's all about the toy. That's what makes us go out and buy these kids' meals. Mm, See, I don't toys. think it's about the toy. I think that evil comes from conception. <laughs> and this next story supports that. All right, go <laughs> ahead. Let's, let's move on. Now, understand, this next story is... Nothing's been proven. It's it, it, it. This next thing is a court case where a woman's alleging this is what happened. Okay, I, I won't make that clear from the get-go. We're not saying this is this is what happened. This is what she's alleging. But it was just so, so absurd, so silly, so funny that I just you know had to cover. It. And just for source reference, I do believe I got this from. Um, Baxter, Brian and Baxter. I think he had a link to this on Facebook. It was either Brian or Baxter. I think it was Baxter, Brian and Baxter. They had posted a link to this on Facebook. And I read it and just, I thought it was the most absurd thing and figured it'd be a perfect thing to put in here to um, talk about because the whole concept is just so silly. And if if she really did get fired over this, that company should be su- sued to death. Okay, I'm tell sorry, me about that, it. That company has no professionality left. All right, tell me about it. Go ahead. Okay, well, the woman claims that um, this company really pushed all this um, new age religion stuff on their employees. And when she got pregnant, it was determined that her fetus had, in a previous life, I had a hostile um, connection to the CEO. (laughs) And so the existence of the fetus in the office was negative to um, the relationship between her and her boss. (laughs) 
can we blame Sylvia Brown for this? Is there any way we can attach this to her? <laughs> anyway, it's that mentality. We can give it that much. Oh, okay. But no, if this woman really was fired over the fact that her fetus had a negative agenda, I hope she went. You know, she gets enough to live the rest of her life on because no company should ever base anything oh you know, on that kind of logic. We had, I, I worked for, you guys don't work for a psychic line, and uh, they had to reel in the, um, the, the, the manager of the psychic line because she would have dreams and fire people. She would have a dream about somebody and come in and fire them. And a couple of things went to unemployment, and of course they lost every time. Right. And had to pay the unemployment. But, I mean, so they had to kind of reel her in and say, this is not okay. But, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. And I'm looking at her, this uh, this website for the company that she allegedly worked for, and I don't see anything that indicates that that's... I mean, their core purpose is about finding the hero in everybody. And well, I that's realize- what I wanted to say straight off the bat. We're not saying the company is guilty. You know, this is a court case. We don't know the guilt. We don't know the whole story. We don't know if she's making it up. But the concept is just so absurd. We should make belief. an effort to follow this. We should make an effort to find more yes. rulings from the court on this. We, I mean, we, we, we should well, definitely it, make an effort. It's a new enough case. I think it was, what, July? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's going to be a while before this is resolved. But it's definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on and see what happens with it. I, I, I want to see the transcripts from this case. I really do. It, it, they've got to be fantastic if this is even yeah. remotely true. This has got to be. Uh, this has got to be. This is tailor made for a lifetime TV. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I spoke to a gentleman not not this past weekend, but the weekend before, who was he he had T-shirts and he had literature with him. He was laundering the T-shirts in the laundry, and his his uh, his belief is that a baby has all the rights of a human being from conception onward, and. I have problems with the with the with the uh, amendment that he is foisting for a number of reasons, but this brings up another idea: if a baby has all the rights and all the rights and uh, responsibilities of a human being from conception onward, does that mean that a mother can be imprisoned for the evil thoughts of her fetus? Well, actually, according to this, the um, you're held guilty for the crimes of your past life. Ooh, even better. <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> That's even better than the Minority Report, where oh, you're only charged man. for future crime. Yeah, right, this guys. is saying, you know, what he did in his past life is what he's guilty of. Uh, yeah, but I mean, seriously, like, can a mother be imprisoned for the for the evil for the evil desires and thoughts of the fetus that she's carrying? All right. All right. Well, I've got nothing else. All right. So I do want to talk. So, of course, you know, we have the usual contact methods, but I, I finally we've had this for a while, but I'm finally putting it up. We have our voicemail number. So if people want to call and leave us voicemails, that would be great. Our voicemail, voicemail number is 720-295-7785. This can be found on the contact page on the website as well, as well as all of our email addresses. You can email us individually or you can email us as a group, whatever you want to do. We are available for your emails. We'd love to have your feedback. As Jen always says, uh, feedback, suggestions, or huge flaming insults. That's right. So, anything uh, else? On our website or on or our Facebook page. about Jews. All right. We're all over the place. And so, any, any last thoughts, guys? No, I'm good. Nothing in my noggin. All right. Good night, guys. Till next time. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. 
For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. Music for this podcast was provided by OMG. For more information about OMG, go to their website at MySpace.com forward slash OMGHQ. The Amateur Skeptics podcast is released under a Creative Commons share alike, no derivatives, 3.0 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please do not edit or change the file.